Hello, everyone. I know most people here, which is really nice. Um, but for people who don't know me, I'm Alicia. Um, I haven't done a sermon before. Um, so I have a couple of nerves. Um, but I feel really excited about sharing. Probably going to get the tears out straight away. <laughs> if anyone has heard me share a good story, you will know that I pretty much can't hold this mic without crying. Um, so we're just going to front load it with a couple of tears. <laughs> and hopefully they'll stop. <laughs> but a um, bit of an introduction to me, a cry. Um, I'm Alicia. I was born here in Wellington and then grew up in Tauranga. Um, yeah. <laughs> With Holly, which is so great. Um, I'm Māori, I'm Ngaitahu, and spent uh, part of the day today at an awesome Ngaitahu Roadshow with Tyson, who I don't think is here, but that was a real special way for me to connect to part of who I am. Um, I work as a doctor at the moment at Heart Hospital, working in psychiatry. Um, I'm a junior doctor and we move around a lot, so that's where I'm at at the moment, but I really, really love it. Um, and I'm engaged to the beautiful and wonderful Esme, which will make me cry again. <laughs> um, and if some of you were here last week, um, she shared as part of the Whole of Life Faith um, series about generosity. And so what I'm speaking on today is not kind of formally part of this Whole of Life Faith uh, talk, but it kind of informally is in the way that it is kind of the whole of my life and faith. Um, it's kind of a continuation of that theme, um, something I felt drawn to explore more in my own life is this wrestle that I have with um, longing for more communion with God um, and feeling pulled and distracted by the world, um, kind of away from this and then returning to this and then pulled away from this. And it's a constant thing. It's like a daily thing. It's a minute-by-minute minute thing um, that I have experienced in my life. Um, and so when I was reading this awesome book that Rose gave me over summer called The Life of the Beloved, um, a lot of that longing and that back and forth was reflected back to me. Um, and I found it a really useful tool for um, learning who I am in terms of my own belovedness and feeling more grounded in that. And then out of that... Um, made some prayer beads, which I'd love to share with you guys, um, uh, that I use again as a tool for practicing this. Um, so yeah, we'll get started on that then. <laughs> um, so I have been a Christian for a really long time. Um, I distinctly remember becoming a Christian when I was four. Um, and for some of you who know me will know that I've, I've always been really intense. So four-year-old leash was still really intense. Um, you know, there was like getting told off on the mat when I was six for trying to like convert people. <laughs> being told like, no, now's not the time. We're reading. <laughs> um, that's cool. <laughs> I felt called by God to become a doctor and a missionary when I was seven um, and have kind of continued on that path for a long time now. Um, I was baptised when I was nine or ten and started writing my first sermon when I was 12, which is pretty much this sermon, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> um, a lot of my life has been, yeah, exploring depth and intimacy with God in different seasons, and that looked like 
going through youth group with Holly um, and moving to Dunedin and looking for community and moving to Wellington and finding community, which is really cool. <laughs> and the tears come. Um, but throughout all of this, um, there's been this longing and this ache for more of God and for more depth and for more intimacy and more intention in my faith, um, which you know initially looked like going up. I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, which had altar calls like every session, every church. You know, we had morning and evening, and I went up for both. <laughs> like, I was like, I need more God. <laughs> I need to recommit my life. And you know, feeling this like pull from the world in the week, and then going back and doing an altar call. And um, so it started like that, and it kind of eventually became this carrying of a sense of like failure and shame when it came to what my faith looked like and what I wanted it to look like and what I thought it should look like. Um, kind of an example of this was one night in Dunedin, I was talking with my flatmate um, about wanting to love God more and was thinking of the passage where the woman pours out this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and washes his feet with her hair and with her tears. And I was distraught with this because I wanted to love God like that. Um, and I didn't see it as this beautiful outworking of God's salvation. I saw it as evidence of my failure, um, which is quite hard. <laughs> and I know that I'm very hard on myself, but it's um, yeah something that I do feel called to share with people because... I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, I think this wrestle is something that we do all in some way experience. So that's why I'm sharing it. Um, yeah. I think I felt for pretty much my whole life um, frustrated at my lack of discipline and my lack of consistency. And, um, you know, when it came to like prayer and reading and um, just spending time with God. And having this, this struggle with being distracted or procrastinating it or choosing something else. Um, and it was a, a big process of wanting to try harder and not being able to do that um, on my own. Um, I was getting prayer around this at the Renew camp last year um, and was given this challenge by... Um, Someone. And it was a very beautiful challenge and presented gently, although you'll hear how it sounds. Um, she said, how humbly the King of Kings waits while you scroll on your phone. Um, <laughs> and it felt really, like, rugged to receive that and be like, wow, like, the King of Kings is waiting for me. Um, but he is humbly waiting for me and he is patiently waiting for me. And it's this process of understanding that his waiting for me isn't condemning me. It's, um, it is genuinely, patiently waiting for me. And that it brings joy to God, to his heart, when I choose him back. And it's been a process of learning that and accepting that and not holding myself in the sense of failure and shame. Yeah. Throughout my life, also, while this has been going on, I have known that I feel really refreshed and nourished by spending time with God um, in prayer and worship 
reading the Bible. Um, it really feels like it feeds me. And then, um, oh, there's this phrase in the book, in Life of the Beloved, my soul is restless until it rests in you. And that's something I so resonate with, is this kind of aimless wandering and then this coming home to God. Um, and it feels so refreshing to me, um, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but I so easily and quickly forget that when I return to the world and I settle for lesser versions of refreshment. Um, and I think we all kind of do um, in some ways. And I don't mean to say that the world is evil or bad. I think the world is beautiful and good and it was created by God, but it needs to be held in its place as another thing that was created by God. Um, and that it has, it doesn't create or give life to us um, independent of God. And um, yeah, there's this line also in the book, it's a great book, um, that says, the world is not the source of its own life, but alone ours. It's been this process of learning and accepting that when the world is very intense and actively tries and grabs our attention and um, so often for me it wins um, and I think it's just it's easier it's right in front of us it's louder and um, it's yeah this is in contrast to the voice and the movement of God's spirit which is quiet and hidden and it doesn't seek our attention um, but it says that it is very persistent, strong, and deep, um, and it is there. Um, I have found that to be true in my own life um, because I have had so many beautiful experiences of God's goodness, um, his presence and his comfort, his faithfulness to me, miracles in my life, which I'd love to share another time, um, patience, his graciousness towards me, um, and all of this fuels this desire for more communion with God. It's not empty. <laughs> I want more of him because I've tasted how good he is and I want more of that, but I feel this tension of being pulled in another direction and be given these like fake little you know, things that try and mimic it, but don't. Um, and I might just read from the book that I think really beautifully captures that as well. My bookmark is a tissue. Because um, I knew <laughs> I knew I would cry, but hopefully not in this part. Okay, it says, Every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It is like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. I have been doing a lot of digging lately, and I know that I am just beginning to see a little stream bubbling up through the dry sand. I have to keep digging because I know that little stream comes from a huge reservoir between the, beneath the desert of my life. The word digging might not be the best word since it suggests hard and painful work that finally leads me to a place where I can quench my thirst. Perhaps all we need is to remove the dry sand that covers the well. There might be quite a pile of dry sand in our lives, but the one who so desires to quench our thirst will help us remove it. All we really need is a great desire to find the water and drink from it. I have found um, that time and time again, God has helped me find him. Um, 
And I think he loves doing that. <laughs> like, he wants to make it easier for us. Yeah, I'm actually randomly reminded of this word I heard for Rose a few years ago of um, um, God kind of playing hide and seek with Rose and um, hiding and just like kind of grabbing like a leaf and just like kind of putting it <laughs> over his face. And just like standing in the middle of the room and being like, oh, you found me. Oh, kind of like silly, because it's like God doesn't want to hide from us. But um, yeah, I hope you don't mind me showing that. Um, and for me, um, throughout my life, I feel like God has given me images or scenes that um, help me understand who he is, who different parts of the Trinity are, um, how he loves me, um, his consistency and his desire for having ownership over my heart. Um, and one that I'd love to share with you guys that has been a recurring image and scene over the past couple of years is this, um, this image of a stone castle, which represents my heart. And I am walking around um, this castle and it's quite cold. I'm up there, kind of outer layers of it. And there's dried leaves and it doesn't look like there's anyone there. And I'm kind of walking around trying to get to the center of this castle and I eventually see a kind of a sliver of light um, and I go up to that door and open the door and there's a small fireplace which has a fire going and two armchairs. And in one of the armchairs, always on the left for some reason, we're in a, this replace because we go there a lot, um, God is sitting in the left chair and there's an empty seat in the, the armchair on the right next to him. Um, and this has been like a beautiful space for me to be able to, it was a gift from God for me, but it's also been a space where I've been able to walk through this castle and go find that room, um, really whenever I choose to, to return to having time with God. And because I'm quite a visual person, it's been really helpful to be able to close my eyes and imagine sitting in that armchair next to God. Um, and one thing is always true, the fire is always on. And the God always looks over his shoulder towards me, and his eyes are so loving. <laughs> it's just really beautiful. <laughs> I take a minute. So yeah, that is a gift that God has given me at this season in my life. I think eventually I'll move on from this image, and it will be replaced by a new one, and that's. Um, exciting and joyful as well. Um, so that kind of brings me to talking about uh, the book, The Life of the Beloved, um, which Rose gave me, um, kind of with this idea to bless us, Blueprint, as a community, and for us to be able to use it to share with others, um, to bless them as well. Um, and I found it a really special book, a life-changing book, um, and wanted to a tactile way for me to remember and practice the truth that it speaks of. Um, there's this line in the book, which I think kind of encapsulates that, which is, from the moment we claim the truth of being the beloved, we are faced with the call to become who we are. Um, and so using these beads, making these beads, which was the first really important thing, and then trying and trying and trying to use these beads is um, a practice that I use to do that. And so... I start with the invitation prayer, which is this shell here that I've made. Um, and I was praying one time and this got kind of led to this verse in Psalm 27, 8, which says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, 
and my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Yeah. And so that is how I enter into this space. It, um, to me, relates to this imagery of um, coming into the room um, where there's the fire, there's the armchairs. This is the process of me responding and saying, Lord, I am coming. Um, I then have this other bead here, this small bead, which you may see, which is actually also a shell. Um, and this is a bead where, at this time, I um, lay things down to God. Um, distractions, worries, things that I'm carrying from the day. It's kind of like a process of taking off your jacket and your shoes and making yourself comfortable for a time. Um, and I know that we go around this loop and I can pick them up or I can leave them with God. Um, yeah, and then I move on to this bead here, which at this bead I say I am chosen as the beloved. So I'll just talk a bit, um, you might see here that there's four shells kind of spaced with uh, seven sets of beads in between them. Um, so I'll talk about each of the kind of four sections. Um, so I am chosen as your beloved. Um, there's this part in the book where it says, when love chooses, it chooses with a perfect sensitivity for the unique beauty of the chosen one. It chooses without making anyone else feel excluded. Um, so we're faced with this challenge of how do we remember that we are chosen when we are surrounded with a world that seeks to reject us and there are rejections around us constantly. Um, and part of this, I think, is unmasking the world for what it is. Um, like I said earlier, it is good, but the world is not um, the source of its own life, let alone ours. Um, and so we unmask the world and its intentions to manipulate, control and lie to us. Um, when we're feeling rejected and hurt and we need to remind ourselves of the truth that we are the chosen children of God and we are called to be his beloved. Um, so some way that we can do this is by looking for reminders in the world through people and places and community and you know nice things that we see. Um, I, I love just witnessing really beautiful, pure moments between other people, and that is a beautiful thing of faith, I think, as well. Um, but we look for things in the world that affirm this truth, that we are chosen as the beloved. There's another really beautiful line in, the, in this chapter, which says, We must dare to opt consciously for our chosenness and not allow our emotions, feelings, or passions to seduce us into self-rejection. So the opposite of looking for and opting for our chosenness is um, allowing the world to manipulate our emotions into seducing us, into rejecting ourselves. So this is what we're fighting against, and that force is really, really strong. Yeah. Um, so a step of doing this, and what I do through these beads, is celebrating um, through gratitude. Um, so I say... Go through each bead, there's seven of them. So I say, um, thank you to the sun and the beautiful weather today for reminding me that I am chosen. Thank you to that conversation um, that I had with Holly before the service for reminding me that I'm chosen. And I go through and I say, thank you, fill in the blank, for reminding me that I'm chosen. And through this, I get to celebrate my own chosenness and I get to be grateful for it. And eventually, when you get, when I get in the rhythm of it, 
it becomes easier to to look at the world and be reminded that we are chosen by God. Are we following? Yes, cool. <laughs> great. <laughs> Feels vulnerable, but you know, here we are. Okay, the next one is blessed. These all follow the chapters in the book, by the way. So um, if you want more, there's a whole book. <laughs> yeah. Some of these are my ideas. Some of these are Henri Nguyen's ideas. Um, I can't necessarily trace which ones are which, but it's come from my life and it's come from Henri Nguyen's life. Yeah. Um, the book is also only 85 pages long, as I learned before the service. So, you know. Yeah, but there's a lot to show on. Um, anyway, this shell... Um, at this shell, I say, I am blessed as your beloved. Um, blessed is related to that word benediction, uh, as in the benediction that we say at the end of services sometimes, or um, at Blueprint we have um, some sets of blessings that we share at the end of services, and um, benediction when broken up means, um, I guess it's like dictio or dictio, I don't speak Latin, um, that part of the word means speaking, and bene means well. Um, so the process of blessing is speaking well of others and speaking well of ourselves. Um, when it comes to interacting with other people, it's uh, saying yes to that person's belovedness. And, if it, um, and there's a slide in the book that says, good words are being spoken to, to you and about you, words of truth. Um, which is... Some days hard to believe and back, and some days it's not. And I think through the process of this, hopefully it becomes easier. Um, but yeah, there's also this part that says that blessing someone creates the reality of which it speaks. So when we speak well of other people, we create more blessing in them. Um, yeah, I'll just talk a bit more about the world. And again, I don't hate the world, but it can play tricks on us. Um, and it can lure us into a trap of self-rejection. Um, there's a slide that says, When we are thrown up and down by the little waves on the surface of our existence, we become easy victims of our manipulative world. But when we continue to hear the deep, gentle voice that blesses us, we can walk through life with a stable sense of well-being and true belonging. Which I think is true through... Practicing this, I become more convinced of my own blessedness um, and I'm able to fight back against the words of harm that come from other sources that are not God. Um, ways that we can practice this, um, accepting and becoming blessed as the beloved, is through prayer and through listening to the voice of love, um, which is God. And also we can practice that through meditating on like a particular psalm that you might really love that um, speaks to you as a blessed person. Um, and also cultivating presence, which is being attentive to the blessings that come each day. Um, so part of what I do with these beads is I try and say seven things that um, people have spoken over me or that God has shared with me that affirm my own identity as the blessed one and as the beloved one. Um, so this uh, is quite challenging on Sundays, but you know, there's often things that um, 
people who have shared as words of encouragement, I have often been um, told in prayer that my hands are healing hands, and I think that is a prophetic declaration that I can say as part of me being blessed. Um, you know, there's other things that people may have said to you, or um, sometimes if things are a bit more difficult, um, you can recite something like uh, what it says in the Bible, you are my beloved, on you my favour rests. You are my beloved, on you my favour rests. And roll through that. And I sometimes mix it up. I sometimes try and do all seven. Um, often in this stretch, distraction comes and I get pulled away from this process. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there probably is an element of like spiritual pushback to this because this is life-changing. Yeah. Um, there's this line in the book that I really love which says there is little to no territory between the land of the blessed and the land of the cursed and I think by doing this process we step into being in the land of the blessed um, we move to the next point which is brokenness um, and I say I am broken as your beloved um, the ways in which we are broken are unique to all of us um, just as the ways that we are chosen and um, blessed are also unique. Um, I think we all know what brokenness is <laughs> in terms of our own lives. Um, there's this part in the book that says, our society is so fragmented, our family lives sundered by physical and emotional distance, our friendships so sporadic, our intimacies so in-between things and often utilitarian that there are few places when we can feel truly safe. I feel like this can capture any sense of brokenness that we have as a community as well as our own personal brokenness. Um, Daniel did a really good sermon maybe a couple of months ago talking about idols, which I think really resonates to that, and that's a really cool one to go back and listen to if you haven't. Um, it also can be seen as barriers that come between us and God and us and others. Um, something that I, a passage that I find really captures this, it makes me feel kind of seen in my brokenness is um, from Romans. Um, I figure if, if Paul was feeling this all the way back then, it's like, I'm not alone, which is nice. Um, but it's Romans 7. I don't, I'm, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is, right, what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is war with, at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin within me. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ. And he goes on to Romans 8, which I also like. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit of God living in you. His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We can see our brokenness in two ways. Um, we can see it as a curse. And by seeing it as a curse, um, we can see it as a confirmation of all the negative things that we think and feel and believe about ourselves. Um, or we can choose to bring it into the light of the blessing, which I think God invites us to do, and use it as a way to grow into the fullness of our belovedness. Um, an example of this is, I am not enough, therefore I am not worthy of love. 
that is part of my brokenness, being under the curse. And an alternative to that is I am not enough, but God will cover me and God will love me unconditionally. And that's part of what I do with these beads. Um, but just before I go through that, um, there's this quite intense challenge in the book that says, suffering need not be an obstacle to the joy and peace we desire, but a way to it. Our brokenness is an urgent invitation to accept God's unconditional love for us. Um, in every moment, there is this opportunity to accept God's love. Um, my own sense of failure when it comes to my faith is an opportunity to receive God's unconditional love, grace, acceptance, and patience with me. So, with the beads, I say, I bring the brokenness of my incompetence into the light of the blessing. I bring the brokenness of my vanity into the light of the blessing. And I go through all of these. I'm not going to do more. It's vulnerable. <laughs> um, but becoming familiar with the way that you are uniquely broken is, I think, the first step into being able to transfer it from the land of the cursed into the land of the blessed. And... Um, yeah, I really do encourage you to go back and listen to Daniel's sermon about idols because I found that a really awesome way of recognising parts of my brokenness. Um, yeah, that one's quite a big one. Thanks for sticking with me in that. We're up to the final shell. That's not true, actually. We're to the final shell of this kind of part, um, which is, I am given as your beloved. Um... In complete honesty, this chapter of the book was quite random. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it talks about how we're given in our life and also in our death, um, which is cool to consider, um, but not something I felt, you know, really spoke to me that much right now, which is, you know, it'll be cool to reflect on later again. Um, but there's also a section after that chapter which talks about how we're given to the world for a time um, to then uh, return to God after that. Um, so that's kind of what I focus on on this section of beads um, is about how we are given to the world. Um, part of this whole journey and part of our faith is understanding the good news that um, as those who are chosen, blessed, broken and given, we are called to live lives with a deep inner joy and peace. It is the life of the beloved, lived in a world constantly trying to convince us that it is our burden to prove that we are worthy of being loved. And it is not our burden to prove that we are worthy of being loved. Because we are loved. Innately, by God. Um, life isn't a painful test to, pr to prove that we deserve this love, but it is an opportunity given by God to become and to integrate and to affirm our identity as who we are as the beloved, to say yes to God who calls us the beloved, and to offer our own response to this love that created us. Um, it has this part in the book that says, uh, God asks, do you love me? And every moment in our life is an opportunity for us to say yes to that, 
or we can say no to that as well. Um, our moments of joy are an opportunity, our moments of pain, our belonging and our loneliness are all moments where we get to say, um, say yes to this offering that God is giving us. Something that I found really powerful, potentially the most powerful part in this whole book for me, was this line. We are sent into this world for a short time um, to say, through the joys and the pains, the great yes to the love that has been given to us. In doing so, we return to the one who sent us with that yes engraved on our hearts. Um, I feel lost a lot of the time. Um, and me being in this castle is a process of me returning home to God, knowing that I am beloved. I am never not beloved. Um, I'm never not God's daughter. And you know, there's some parallels to the, the prodigal son is never not his father's. The coin is never not the woman's. The sheep is never not the shepherd's. We belong to God. And it is a process of, um, through communion, is a process of returning inward and homeward to this space with God, um, rather than reaching out externally, um, stretching, seeking for more of God, we can return quietly to the home within us that God has given us and created us. Um, we are already his people, but we need his life force to, to, to sustain us because the world is really, really tiring and it's constantly trying to use us and control us and convince us, as I said earlier, that it's our burden to prove that we are worthy of love. So, for this last set of beads, <clears throat> I use a lot of repetition. Um, and I, for all seven of them, I say, I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. I say yes to the love that you have given me. Um... There's this really joyful sentence in this part. Ronnie Nguyen is a beautiful man. Um, but he says, The one who has sent me on this mission is waiting for me to come home and tell him the stories of what I have learned. And so I return to this bead, the one where I initially took off my coat and my shoes and my distraction and my worries. And I enter into a time of contemplation, just spending time with God, free prayer with God, intercession, anything at all, um, can spend a long time, can spend a short time. Things that you took off, there's also the opportunity to leave them with God, giving your burdens to the Lord. Um, or sometimes there's things that we do need to put back on to protect, uh, to protect us as we go into the world. And God knows that and understands that and loves us in that too. Um, let me get to the shell. Final shell, which is also a prayer from Psalm 27, verse 13. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am still in the land of the living. It's a joyful celebration and declaration of God's goodness. <sighs> Thanks for doing that with me. Um, there's quite a lot in there. Feel free to hit me up if there's parts that you want. Feel free to read the book, because um, there will be more in there that will have stood out to you, that may have... I may have skimmed over, um, but I'm really happy to share these notes as well. Um, we're going to move into a time of reflection. Um, 
today this looks like having a few songs being played over the system. Um, feel free to find a space anywhere that you want. Um, you can sing along to the words. You can sit there in contemplation. Um, if there's one part of this that stuck out to you, maybe you can pray over that. Um, or you can just sit and be with God. You can ask God for an image that might help you, that might lift some of the sand off the well for you. I'm sure God will love to give you that. Um, there's this part that says the blessed one always blesses. And so we can also, um, because we're all blessed, we can bless each other. Um, you might feel called to pray for someone, to offer a word of encouragement, to affirm someone's identity as the beloved. And this is also a time that you can do that. Um, so we'll move into that. I'll just um, find a little bit of the book, which is really beautiful. Um, so maybe I'll invite you all to close your eyes. And we'll move into that space now. We are the beloved. We are intimately loved long before our parents, teachers, spouses, children and friends loved or wounded us. That's the truth of our lives. That's the truth I want you to claim for yourself. That's the truth I, uh, spoken by the voice that says, You are my beloved. Listening to that voice with great inner attentiveness, I hear at my centre words that say, I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved, on you my favour rests. I have moulded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palms of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I will go with you, and wherever you rest, I will keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all of your hunger and drink that will quench all of your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own and I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, your spouse, yes, even your child. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. <laughs> 